Hey, what's up? I'm back. It's the Shetler Show again. Um, we're going to get through the commercials real quick, kind of rush through them because I'm excited to talk to... Uh... You got your phone on you, maybe? No, it was just my phone. Um, excited to talk with Billy, Billy Best here. Um, first commercial is Solstice Skate Shop, New Bedford, Mass. If you haven't been there and you live in the New England area, you need to. JV's the man. Shop's been open for 15 years. To have a skate shop is for that long is pretty insane. Like, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's like you just scrape by. You know what I mean? Especially in New England when the weather is like the winter's hit and kids aren't skating or they're just like everything slows down, you know? Especially if there's no indoor park nearby too. Then you're asked out and no one's buying skateboards, you know? But uh, Jay has loved skateboarding and kept it going for... I think it's 16 years now, which is fucking commendable, for sure. Um, so yeah, Solstice Skate Shop. Skater own, skater run, legit, best shop in New England. Um, next sponsor is Oloclip. Um, I don't know if you know about Oloclip. Did, did, I know we talked about it earlier, but you don't know? No, never it's, heard of it. It's basically like, for the iPhones, I see, what do you have on a phone? This is an Android. That thing is pretty fucking serious. It's massive. Is that a case on it, or is that the actual phone? That's a case. That's a case, all right. Um, yeah, so Oloclip is for the iPhones, and it's basically you've seen us at the skate park. We, I have a little lens. I just slide onto my camera, and it instantly gives me a fisheye, uh, a wide angle, and then two macros. So, And it turns your phone into just basically a really nice camera for filming and shooting photos. And it's about I think the Oloclips go for like 70 80 bucks, but you buy it, and it's like you're set. You want to go skateboard and film your homies? The phone's HD, you can film with that, and you got a fish eye, you can get real close, film all the lines, like, it's really cool. You hear that noise? That's Elwood. Elwood's part of the show today. It's his fingernails, we need to trim them, they're getting a little fucking long. Um, Remember filming with the old cameras on your shoulder, and the tape? Yeah, absolutely. And then you'd, you'd edit your video by running... Your VHS cam- camera through one VCR and another VCR. <laughs> it was such a fucking crazy process, right? Yeah. It's insane. Now I can just film with my iPhone and I can just click one button and get it on YouTube. And, and what's the name of that clip? I, I Olo, need to get one of those. Olo Clip. They're Olo awesome. Clip. But they're only for the iPhone. So I don't know if Android has something comparable, but maybe they do. But Olo Clips are amazing. That's like if you go to All I Need Skate on Instagram, you're gonna see all our clips. They're all Olo clip, like fisheye, all that stuff, and it probably looks like I filmed it with like a HD camera, like a Canon 60D or something. But it's just my iPhone. The quality's ridiculous. You could probably film the sponsor me tape with your iPhone nowadays. I wonder what those clips run like 200 bucks. What just the Olo clips? Yeah, about 80 bucks. 80 bucks? But they last forever. Like, I've even washed mine in the washing machine, pulled it out. It was fogged up. I let it sit for a day, it cleared up, and I still use it. I've been using it for, like, a year now. Wow. Kent, my homie Kent, hooks it up at Olo Club. What's up, Edward? You gotta go lay down, okay? Good boy. Look at that puppy face. Oh, yeah, you're so cute. Oh, no. I'm not gonna pick you up, though. You gotta go lay down. (laughs) Alright, so we got Olo Clip, Solstice, and, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Today we got Billy Best. Uh, I'm just kind of meeting him too for the first time, man. I'm psyched that you came on the show. Um, you asked me to play skate, which I was fucking hyped on. Yeah. Cause, uh, I don't know. I've seen you at the edge a bunch. We haven't really, we didn't ever really talk. I'm sure no. we said like, hi, nice cities or whatever. I thought you were someone else too. I thought you were like the, a kid that used to maybe work there. Oh, where? <laughs> Cause I hadn't been there in years. Yeah. And I d- didn't even put it together till uh, 
you know, until you sent me a text. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, it's fucking awesome. I was, I'm always stoked when someone asks me to play skate because it's you're kind of going out of your way to like get to know someone. I feel like it is, and I love doing that. I ask people all the time, like, let's play a game of skate because it's kind of like you gotta. You can't just be sporadic. You gotta actually talk. You gotta actually like. It's like a game of horse with your friend. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, it was a good game, dude. You yep. actually you shred. I was. I didn't know. I didn't know because I hadn't seen you in a while. And but um, yeah. So how I heard of you was after that I went back to Nick, uh, oddly who his parents own the Edge, and I was like, damn, I just met Billy Best. He has a sick last name, like Best. That's like the sickest <laughs> last name. Like I think marketing wise, I'm like, if my last name was Best and it was on a skateboard, it's amazing. You know what I mean? Um, but he was like, he kind of told me, he didn't tell me, he just told me the gist of what had happened, just that you were a survivor and that you had written a book and that you had been gone through, you've gone through some stuff in your life. And, uh, instantly I just turned around and I was like, I gotta go talk to you and ask you if you want to come on the show. Cause I was like, I understand, you know, it takes a lot to go through a lot that shit and like, if you talk about it, that's awesome. Some people just close up and don't want to talk about it. But, um... Before we get into all, to all that, I just want to kind of start and ask you, like, how you found skateboarding or skateboarding found you, however it worked. Um, I had moved to California in, I think, like, 1983. Where were you living? Where did you grow up? Um, well, I mean, I grew up moving all around. We, you know, we were from this area. My parents from Quincy. And, um, you know, we moved to Virginia, just traveled around a little. My dad was in sales for the solar industry, so that brought us out to... Solar? Solar, like, yeah. Like solar, solar power. Yeah, yeah, back in the 80s when it was... Um, you know, they were checking it out to see if it was it was going to work. Before it got snuffed out by, like, whatever yeah. person yeah. decided that it was a bad <laughs> idea, but it wasn't. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, we ended up in Arizona and in California. So I had, um, you know, learned to ride a bicycle in, in Arizona. Hell yeah. And then we moved to California, and it was in Corona... It was four four nine two Ranch Grove Drive, Irvine, California nine two seven one four. Sick. I had to memorize because you know you had to walk to school and stuff like that. <laughs> Billy, uh, Mar- Billy Marks is from Corona, professional skateboarder. Yeah, Corona, California. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, but uh, what call it? I saw kids at the park skating, and I never. I was like, "How the hell are they moving like that?" Yeah. And they had, um, you know, lifted maybe like uh, the little tile. Like they leaned a tile up, and it was. Oh, like, they propped it up like. It was no, like, they were just jumping over it. It was like sick. you know, almost like just jumping over another kid's skateboard. Yeah. And I'm like, "How the hell does that happen?" And I just I'd gone to the park a couple times and seen it, and then. Um, I was like, I want to move like that. I was like, I've been walking all this time. This is, I want to move like that. Walking seems lame. Actually. Oh, yeah. I yeah. agree. I had the same moment. <laughs> so I took, um, you know, my dad saw on a piece of wood and I cut it in the shape of a skateboard and um, ripped apart my sister's roller skates and, and slapped them on there. Damn. Just like fucking, we're going to make painted a it blue. Yeah, painted it blue. That's <laughs> sick. That's awesome. Yeah, I stood on it for like, I made it like halfway down the block before it cracked. That's what I was going to ask. I started, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, pine might not be a good uh, yeah, material for skateboard. <laughs> so then I got, um, for, I think it was Christmas that year, um, I got a uh, Veriflex Ramp Rat. Oh, yeah. So that was probably, it was wooden, but it was, you know, that had to be in like 84, 80, you know, 83 or 84. How did you know where to get it and how did you like... I don't know. My parents found it. It was at a toy store. You know, they got it from whatever the toy store was back then. No shit, yeah. Yeah. So I got that board, and uh, I just started riding it. And 
I never really did too many tricks. Just like always like getting around on it. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. That's like the best way to start. That's why I tell everyone. I'm like, don't even worry about tricks. Just fucking get on your board, learn how to balance, have some fun, have carving, some fun. power slides, like all that shit's the best. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that's how you get balanced. That's how you enjoy it. All that. So, when did you you got into skating? How did did you meet a crew of people? Like, when did you get into it further? Like, because you can do tricks now, and you've obviously been skating for how many years? I have no idea. It's been a long time. Since 1983, I guess. So I'm I was born in '82, so 30 years. Damn, <laughs> that's deep. That's a lot of time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> so, did you meet a crew? Like, did you learn about magazines? Any of that? Do you know about the industry? Like, no. It was, um, you know, I had a, I had a board, and I moved, and then there was another kid at the school with a board, so we'd get together. I played sports too. I played, you know, soccer and uh, baseball. Sick. But you know, there's other kids that played sports that like to skate too. So it started with that. Yeah. And then. Um, you know, we wanted to have like start a magazine when we were like freshmen in high school, but a skateboard man. Yeah, skateboard because we had you know we had a crew. We all could do our different kinds of tricks, and Fuck uh, yeah. and then um, I got hit by a landscaping truck and I ripped my arm right off. Jesus. Yeah. Wait, on, really? Head-on collision. It was we were me and my buddy Alex. Um, we were building a ramp in my backyard, and we had gotten a bunch of wood. Is that yeah? That's sorry to cut stuff. you off, but we got wow. a bunch of wood and um, we had it all organized, and we were going down to the center of town in Norwell to um, to get some like screws, yeah. and some nails, you know, some stuff to make Bang a ramp out of. Yeah, <laughs> to see what happens. So we went and got those, and on the way back, it was um, it had gotten dark, and I was skating in front. I was going fast, and I'm, you know, because my parents said you know be home soon. And we kind of took our time, so I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, turn around. Like hurry up, hurry up! I'm waving him to come on, and when I turned around, it was nothing but headlights and the mirror off of a one-ton dump truck. It kind of it's like on a little frame; it sticks out. Yeah, you know, like if you see the big trucks driving down the highway, you know, you guys know who you are. You get those big mirrors. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that thing, shit can fuck you up. It's yeah. like a the mirrors itself is like a unit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, so yeah, I caught that on my arm, and it just it it was a compound fracture. So. Um, when the ambulance came and they, you know, cut my sleeve off, my hand just like fell, like it just fell off, you know, it like lint over yeah. like wet noodle. Almost. Yeah. But like the bones, you know, had ripped through the skin and Fuck. like it came out, the bones came out here. I've never seen a broken arm scar as gnarly as you're showing me. Like it usually was, it's one down the middle. Yeah. That's like this Yours or this. Yours is on all sides. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was a pretty uh, bad break and it was. They said the worst that Children's Hospital had seen. So the whole time I was there, over two years, getting um, all kinds of reconstructive surgeries. Fuck. I had like teams of doctors come and study it. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was involved. It was they had. To, I mean, I lost bones on the side of the road, so they have to like cut bones out of your hip. Yeah. Broke growth plates. Um, How cut, old were you? Cut a tendon. Fourteen. Oh, scary. Fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. Jesus, man, that's traumatic. So, for that age. and it was the day that was the same day I learned nollie flips. <laughs> and it was like I was so happy. Damn, you learned nollie flips at fourteen. Yeah, good for you, dude. I started skating when I was November fourteenth, nineteen ninety-two. The day before my birthday. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sick, so man. yeah, we liked skating. You know, we had a nice wooden park down at Situate. Um, you know, and a just great, great scene, great group of kids yeah. that would you know all hang out. 
So you said two years of just like getting it, trying to fix the arm. Yeah, yeah. First they just put it back together, and then they had to go back and break it again and cut it up and stick it back and clamp it with you know plates and screws. Fuck. Um, then that got better, and um, they sent me out. They said I was okay to go. They X-rayed it. Um, they said, um, oh, because they had taken the plates out. Yeah. And um, the holes hadn't filled in. And they said they were filled in, so I went back out and skated, and I fell again, and it broke it again. Because there's no, there's fucking holes. There's holes. Yeah, so like I had birds. to go back. I had to go back, and that's why there's all these all these other scars. Because they first they put the plates on the top, and then they had to put it in the bottom, oh, underneath. Shit. Oh, because they fuck, they did it yeah. on the first. And they, all right, yeah. So they got it back, and it's, so were they? I mean, they're at fault for that. Is it, I mean, I don't know. How does that work? Whatever. You're just happy to have a hand. Yeah, I'm happy to have a hand. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that was, uh, I grew up skating, you know, with a cast on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. From Nolly Flips on it, at least. Yep. Damn. That, that, at 14, man, that must have been like, I, I've, I'm going to knock on wood and I'm probably jinxing myself, is that I've never actually broken a bone. And I've been doing it for, you know, 16 years or whatever. And I've been very fortunate. And I always think about it. And I see people with it. And I'm always like, damn, that must be gnarly to go through. And what you describe is shit that you see in movies. So, fuck. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel when you, like, actually, I know you're probably psyched to skate again, but what about as far as being timid and, like... No, I mean, I had, a, we had, now I, like, built a ramp in the backyard, you yeah. know, kind of like one, I don't know, probably one arm in it with a cast and, uh, Ready to you know, go. my friends. <laughs> um, but I used to sneak out there with a full, you know, my cast, full cast up to my shoulder. Like, I'd sneak out there and I'd just, I just, as soon as... It happened, and I woke up from it because I was like I was out for a little while. I looked out the window of the hospital and saw like a couple, you know, two sets of six stairs, and I'm just like, oh, it's like <laughs> I can't wait to get out of here and go like all of those stairs. Hell yeah! <laughs> you know? But the second time I broke it, I actually did have like that moment of doubt of like I should probably just not do this anymore. Yeah, because I mean, you're going. For I went life. through so much pain. Yeah, and I, I, I'm jumping right back into it. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I couldn't. I almost couldn't take it. I can't imagine, man. I've I, I I've destroyed my knee. Yeah. No ACL. That was my big injury, and I never I didn't have insurance, so I just rehabbed it myself. And uh, recently, I had surgery for my meniscus in the same knee. And the dude basically told me he's like, "You got bone on bone, and like your shit's fucked, basically." Like you know, but it was repetitive pain because I've heard it so many times over the years. Like, luckily, I guess I built up the muscle strong enough because I work it out so much that it's steady, you know? Mm. So he said, and there's a lot of cartilage. I mean, a lot of, uh, it's like calcified on the side, so it stays in one spot kind of. But, um, so I know that feeling, like, every time you come back from an injury where it's like your trauma, like, oh my god, and then it's just like the mental torment that comes along with that. Like, you having to get your confidence back and all that stuff. But, um... So your arm's good now? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I can't feel, like, um, sensation the ring uh, from the middle, index or thumb on my right hand due to, like, nerve damage. Yeah. But I can feel pressure. Yeah. You know, so... That's good. Whatever. Helps. You got another hand. (laughs) I got another hand, you know. (laughs) And, um, you know, it helped me kind of, like, now I'm kind of, like, ambidextric, so... Oh, I can like shoot pool or like Damn. weird like you know I can't bowl anymore because or shoot basketball like I have to do it left handed. Oh, I'd be fucking bummed. Basketball. Oh, well, yeah, man. it's all hooked. Yeah, it makes you know, sense. 
<laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, what's your nationality? I am uh, Micmac and French. No shit. Is that was there like a population in this area? Is that yeah? Boston is where um, you know a lot of the urban natives from Canada. Um, you know they they re- they located in Boston. Yeah. I believe I, I don't know which, I'm Indian as well, like a small percentage, or I don't even know if that's the right term, but uh, I was in Lakeville, Assawamset, um, is that all tied in? I can't remember. But anyways, I knew there was like a settlement of people that lived here, and that, but I was always wondering, because I seen you, and you, you're pretty tall too, how tall are you? Um, I think I'm shrinking, so maybe like 6'1". Yeah. See, that's the height I wish I was, 6'1". <laughs> I've always wanted to be 6'1", that's like perfect height to me. Um, so that was your first brush with like, uh, fucking something traumatic. And then you have a pretty interesting, interesting story in the fact that, uh, I mean, go, go into it if you want, like the earliest you can start with it. Like if, is if you're willing to, well, we're right at that, that point right now, actually, because after the surgeries on my arm and, uh, you know, I finally got a clean bill of health. Um, it was like. You know, end of the end of the school year. Um, <laughs> so my buddy, like my best friend, uh, he was a, a Boy Scout. His dad was a troop leader, Sick. and um, it was like uh, I don't know what is it mem- uh, Memorial Day at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the school year, yeah. So Memorial Day, we went to um, go to Washington D.C. for a field trip. And I'm like, dude, I'm I'm looking at these magazine pictures of DC, and it looks pretty straight to skate over there. Dude, they're wild. I'll tell you after. So, <laughs> so I'm like, and he's like, dude, my dad's not going to let us bring skateboards on the trip. We're supposed to go learn and, you know, go to the mint and do, see all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. I was like, um, I was like, you got two boards, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, pack one in the bag, and we'll carry one on. Oh, yeah. The decoy. So Good he'll take... <laughs> take the fucking... So he took, <laughs> it's a great he idea. took the decoy. My extra one was the board that I used in the summertime on my ramp. And it was... Uh, it, it didn't have any grip tape. So I took that green uh, fake carpet. Oh, sick. And like staple gunned it. Like the mini skate. golf carpet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I brought that one. He took that deck. And, uh, you know, so we... You know, the first day we went around. And then uh, the second day we had a, a break time. So we... Um, you know, we told the like, hey, bus driver, like, meet us down at the other, you know, on the other side of the park. He's like, yeah, okay. So we got our boards and we skated all over the place. Had a great time. Uh, DC is amazing for that, yeah. for real. Yeah, it was a lot of skating in like not a lot of space. Like yeah. it was a lot. But um, on the way back from that uh, that trip, I started getting tired and my neck was sore. And I got back to school and I was like tired. And I thought it was just like I was worn down from the trip or something like that. Then I started getting a lump in my neck, and the school nurse saw it, and she um, she came over. She's like, "Oh my she god!" She saw the lump. She or saw you it. Told her. She saw it. It was that. Like, yeah, like if I turned my head to the side, yeah. you could see a big lump sticking out. So she came over. She's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "You got to get that checked out." She's like, "I know someone that just had something like that, and it was not good." Like, yeah. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I got to." Regular physical that I got to go to anyway. So I'll just, fifteen years I'll old, tell like 14, 15, 16, 16, Yeah. So, whatever. It was cancer. <laughs> it was cancer. I'm not gonna, you know, bore you with all the details. Yeah. And then, the, you know, when I got home, everyone's crying, and I'm like, you know, from getting the biopsy done and stuff. They're just scared for you. My parents, my sister, they're all crying. I'm like, don't worry, don't worry. It's like, 
you know, we, we, we'll get through this, it's fine. And they're like, well, no, we're not crying for you, we're crying because your Aunt Judy just died, like, from breast cancer. And she was getting, she died from getting too much chemo. Like, they were giving her experimentally high doses, and it just killed her while she was getting it. That's what people say, from what I hear, it's just gnarly. Because the chemo destroys your cells, right? Is that what the... It's toxic. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to say it does to you, it's toxic. And yeah. it's highly corrosive, and it's... I know nothing. It's so. um, <laughs> it's a very it's very aggressive. Yeah. So. So what's their what's their theory with the chemo? Like why why do they do that? Because they're trying to destroy the cancer cells, but in doing that, they're destroying healthy cells as well. Um, no. Well, I think what they're doing is they're treating um, a symptom of a disease. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you know if you have a headache. Yeah. What, what if I want to make money? What do I do? I find something that's going to make his headache go away. Get some aspirin. Yeah, but doesn't if, care it, but it. But if you're the if you're you know going to care about the person and you're going to you know try to you know do something that's going to help them be well. Yeah. You know, and get back to the point where they can thrive. Yeah. What are you going to do? Maybe look a little, do a little more work, and say, well, maybe hey, why do you have a headache? Yeah. Have, you, have you had? Have you drank water today? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Investigate so, and actually, like, try to get to the root Try to problem. get to the root. Don't be so focused on treating the symptom of a disease. I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. So that's what chemotherapy is. is just, they're just trying to cure the, the suffering. They're treating the symptom. So if, if, yeah. if a tumor is the problem, they're just developing treatments that will effectively reduce the size of that tumor. Okay? Yeah. Um, now at 16, I had a different way of thinking at it. And I said, Hey, you know what? What if this tumor is just my body's way of telling me that something isn't right? So the tumor is not the enemy. Now the tumor is my friend. Yeah, he's telling me, it's a warning. Sign. He's telling me something's up, you know, something's got to change. So that's where, um, you know, that's where I, that's where I left, you know, when I left the hospital cause I just, after I kept asking questions, I didn't get any good answers. Um, well, I was scared. How did your family feel when, like, when you're at the hospital and you're asking questions? Were they supportive? Were they confused too? They were, were they just uh, like, let's do chemo? I, you know, they were confused too. We didn't know anything at this time. This is like, they're like, what are you nuts? Like, we got the head of this cancer hospital. You know, we got like Dana Farber Cancer Institute. It's one of the biggest, probably, huh? One of the biggest, and they're telling you this is the only thing you can do. And they say it'll work. They say it's like, you know, eighty-five percent it'll work. They're like, so we got to do that. And it's like, yeah, but I don't even know what their numbers mean. You know, like, yeah. it's they, they throw all the statistics at you. And it's like, yeah. I think you can probably manipulate any statistic to get your argument. But I don't understand these numbers, so let's not even talk about these, you know, these numbers. What are you doing in my body? And why is this nurse, like, putting on two pairs of rubber gloves? Because the medicine she's putting into my heart... It's so corrosive; it'll it could burn a hole right through her skin it's if it hit. Poison, yeah. Yeah. Gnarly. So, you know, I and I figured, you know, I've had a pretty good life. I've made it to 16 years old. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff. I've had a good life, so uh, I'm just gonna take off and take my chances with um, with this cancer. You know, because I, I had I had started receiving chemotherapy. I got five treatments, and I'd lost a bunch of weight. I felt like shit, and I didn't want to live like that and um you know that's uh, after five treatments i just packed up my skateboard and a duffel bag left my parents a note and hopped on the greyhound bus from south station well i'm, I'm sorry to kind of derail not derail but stop the story in the tracks i just have questions um chemotherapy 
what when you're when what what does that consist of as far as like the actual process? Like you go in, they're injecting shit into your heart. Uh, yeah. Well, they're okay. So you go in. First of all, to make it easier um, to get the medicine, they they rig you up with this thing called a central line or a port, and it's a uh, you know pretty much like a. Uh, like little rubber ball underneath your skin, uh, like right next to your heart with a tube that goes up under your collarbone and then down into your aorta so that when they put the medicine in, it's pumping fast enough so that it doesn't burn a hole through your veins. Oh my God. Yeah. No. So they're putting that right into my heart. That's like, Fucking I'm still kind of worried about that's that That's the one. same shit she put double gloves on. Yeah. 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 Not really. Um, so then, you know, it's like... I mean, they, I had four different drugs in the cocktail that I used. Like, the, it was A, B, V, D was what they called it. That's the protocol. You know, those letters represent the technical names of each drug. Because they're probably unpronounceable. Yeah, some of them, like, <laughs> so, you know, Vimblastine and Adriamycin. Like, it, this to- that's toxic, toxic stuff. Um, so they just, t- you know, they pretty much hook you up and uh, get your fluids up. So you'll just have water going into your port, um, just getting your, you know, getting yourself hydrated and then they'll give you a drug and then they'll hydrate you some more. Um, but it took all day. It was like, you know, like a nine to five on a Friday. So they hook you up. They're getting, they're making sure you're hydrated so you don't fucking die. And they're just injecting crazy shit into you. Yeah. Yeah. That they think. And they do tests here and there, you know. Yeah. They do, you know, they weigh you and stuff on the way in. And, um, some days you just go and get tests done to, you know, like, a bunch of stuff. They, it's insane to me because I I've never really thought about chemotherapy. But they, I've never really imagined yeah. what the process was. And then the thing you got to think about is think about being in a room with a bunch of other kids going through the same shit. Yeah. And then levels. picture and then picture every week seeing maybe like some kid doesn't show up. Yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah. Are, in the, are these cancer patients different stages? I imagine. Yeah. Because can't you can't sync them all up, you know. So, yeah. yeah. It's all different. It's all uh, all different. You know, everyone's going through their own thing. Yeah, it's a very fucking, uh, it's one of those things in life that is just very scary and very testing of who you are and it's going to define you to a certain degree or you're going to change it and define yourself, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I, I, whenever I think of chemotherapy, I think of the hair, people lose their hair and I think for some reason I always thought you would go into like a, I, I'm going to sound, at the risk of sounding completely stupid, which I am, so I always thought you would go into like a machine or like a radiation. Like I think of an X-ray or an uh, MRI, and like I didn't understand that it's from the injections. Is the poison is like makes people's hair fall out? It's a side effect of it. Yeah, just killing your your cells, your DNA cells. That yeah, it happened after my second treatment. Um, I just you know I didn't even notice it, but it's like you wake up, poof, you get a little hair in your mouth. Yeah, you know like. Don't not realize that my pillow is kind of covered in in hair, but when it hit me is when I was in the shower, and the um, you know the the drain just blo- like backed up. Yeah. Is because all my and I reached down and I'm like, where the fuck did all this hair come from? It's like, oh shit. Yeah. And then I went outside and I started you know just putting my hands through my hair and just watch it come out in clumps. Yeah. And I was like, shit. I just. I was like, Dad, can you shave my head? He's like, yeah. I can relate on a certain level. I just have a receding hairline. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand the struggle of losing hair. (laughs) I just keep it short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's like shit that happens in movies too. Like I've I've grown up and I've never actually known anyone who's like had to deal with that. So to me, I've only seen it in movies. Um, 
Uh, and for you, that must have been kind of a trip because you're Native American backer and you have like fucking awesome hair. I would be so bummed. Well, that's another story altogether because um, I didn't know I was Native American until I was like 20 years old. Really? Yeah, I'm adopted. Um, and when my, I, you know, I found my birth mother, Yeah. I looked for her and then, the, you know, Catholic Charities said... You know, we're not in the business of reuniting kids with their parents, so good luck. You're going to have to hire a private investigator. Well, after a year, you know, when I was 19, she uh, called the adoption agency, the Catholic Charities. I was like, did my kid ever look for me? Your mother. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, well, no. Uh, yes, he did. I was like, well, why didn't you give him my number? Yeah, let's connect. Well, because, uh, I don't know. It's so, not our job. Yeah. Fuck you, right? But she ended up getting, <laughs> she ended up getting um, you know, getting my number, and, and we started talking. And she's like, yeah, you know, you know, I'm French, and your dad was um, like a native guy. So that's all I knew for you know from when I was like 20 to you know like this past year. Damn. And then this past year, about you know about a year and a half actually, um, I met my birth father. I was just gonna ask. And he's like right from like he's from Somerville. He's like no been shit. here the whole time. Wow. Is it crazy? Because I imagine it's, it's like a mirror. Kind oh. of, I can't. It's like time travel, right? That's what I compare it to. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And now I've got all kinds of cousins and, um, you know, I know what I am. You understand your past and outside at least. Yeah. And, and some of the things that happen kind of start making a little more sense yeah. when you chalk it up to like uh, like Indian stories or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, how did you reconnect with your father? Uh, well, I connected. I mean, he had no idea that I was even born. Oh, wow. You know? Crazy. Yep. Wow. So I was in, I was in the park with, uh... Skate park? No, I was in the, just a kid's park with my, um, my kid who at the time couldn't even walk and his mom. We were just eating ice cream over the summertime, chilling out, you know, got, flip, got my flip-flops on, hanging out. And this woman comes in and she's got a, like a three-year-old, so he's running around. And she comes over and starts talking to us and she has, um... She has a powwow t-shirt on from the Mashpee powwow. Oh, yeah. She's talking. I was like, oh, hey. I was like, yeah, my girlfriend just went to the uh, that powwow, you know, for this year. Because she had the one for, like, the year before. She's like, oh, yeah, she just went there. Went there this year. She's like, oh, what tribe are you? She's like, I'm not. She's like, I'm Jewish. I'm not, like, I'm not native. <laughs> and she's like, he he is. And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I'm adopted. And I don't know. She's like, she looks at my hands. She looks at my toes. And she's like. She's like, I know your father. She's like, you're a Francis. No she's shit. Like, no, she's like, no denying, like, you're a Francis. What the fuck? So she's like, yeah. So like, your dad's probably at the bar right now. Like, I'll, you know, I'll give him a call. I'm sure he's he's sitting there right now. And um, he was. And it took, you know, it took a little while, but we, um, you know, got the... Uh, Just from looking at your fucking hands and feet. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Some people are, you know... A little gifted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe because the bloodline is so, like, it didn't get so diluted, maybe? It, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's um, just, a, like, a very strong connection to, you know, our, our history, so... Yeah, that's a, amazing. A good person to be learning from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Damn, so... So... Fuck, there's so much to say. Like, so... <laughs> 
you call them or did you, you go I, to them in person? Like, I went up to them because I just went a couple times and I was really nervous. You went to the bar a few times because yeah. you knew he'd be there? Yeah. Yeah. So and it was in Central Square. So me and my buddy, we would just skate around and I'd be like, hey, let's skate by the bar real quick. And oh, so they, it wasn't like awkward. You're not stalking them. You're just right, in right. the area. <laughs> like, hey, why do you keep going by that bar? It's You're like, just at the you know, window breathing? <laughs> in between. <laughs> yeah, we just go from Harvard Square to Central back and yeah. forth. And so finally I saw him in there once. And I was like, shit. He looked very Native American. Oh, yeah. Big guy at the end of the bar. Long hair. You know, Six two. He's like, yeah. Lucky I don't know. I have bastard. no idea. He seems like, he seems like you know, he's seven feet tall. But, you lucky bastard. Um, so taller. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. Then, I mean, I finally went in there. And I'm like sitting at the end of the bar. And I was nervous. I'm like, oh, I had a beer. What did you drink? Um, I think I had a, a harpoon. There you go. And then I had, um, I think I had like a jack on the rocks because I was like I was so nervous <laughs> and it's just I'm sitting there and it's like okay all this time my whole life you know I, I didn't have an answer and kind of gave up and you know figured if it was going to happen it would happen I'm not going to like keep pursuing you know do a DNA test with people just because they're from the area yeah you know so but it was that moment it was like alright after this beer I'm going to walk up and I'm going to talk to this guy and I'm going to know either yes or no but like this is the last time I'm, I'm going to have that feeling of not knowing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I went up and, and we figured it out. Do you remember what you said right out the gates? Oh, yeah. I said, hey, I was like, want to go, go outside and talk about something for a minute? You said that to him? Yeah. You probably thought you wanted to fight him. And he's like, if we go outside, one of us ain't coming back. <laughs> he said that? Yeah. And he's, you <laughs> Your know. dad's already cool in my book. <laughs> yeah. And he's, you know, with his, with his girl and he's like, you know, you, whatever you can say to me, you can say in front of her. So I'm like, all right, there we go. Uh, you were trying to be respectful. Because he's yeah. a lady. Yeah. So you just said, I think I'm your son? No, I said, hey, you know, I, um, I'm adopted and, uh, you know, someone said that you might be able to help me find, you know, who my father is. And then I started giving him the details. That was thoughtful of you. And he, that way. Yeah. I mean, you got to look for the, look at the end result. What are you trying to get at? You know, you yeah. got to play it. Sometimes you got to play it a little. I, I, I'm only saying that because I'm just picturing myself in your shoes and I'm picturing the... The excitement, the nervousness, the emotional side of it, and I don't think I would have played it as cool. Very cool. James Dean of you. Thanks. <laughs> so what, what did he say? Um, well, he's, you know, he said, it's, he's like, oh, uh, geez. He's like, I don't know. It sounded like, sounds like, I don't know. It's like back then. I don't know. Who knows? I was just wild. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but he, um, you know, he, he kind of denied it, you know. He's like, no, he's like, no, I never had a van or never went anywhere like that. Um, you know, the, the, the concrete details that I did have that my mother did remember didn't line up. So this went on for a while, um, you know, months where I was like, it's not him, you know, I'm not going to, did you have, did you keep in touch with him like that? Or you a couple times. You had a phone number or something? Yeah, yeah. I had a phone number and, um, you know, we kept, I, you know, I'd call him just pretty much to ask him questions and, uh, you know, eventually, um, the girl called me up. And she was like, his, his girl. No, no, the girl oh. who knew you, who fingered, who fingered him. Yeah, yeah. Lady hands, <laughs> <laughs> lady hands. She called. literally fingered him yeah. because she looked at your hands and went like, <laughs> oh, uh, comes full circle. <laughs> yeah. But she calls up and she's like, "Did you do the DNA test yet?" And I'm like, "No." I was like, "I don't think it's him." She's like, "Listen, that motherfucker is your dad. Like, he was just over here yelling at me for getting all in his business and, and uh, for knowing his hands so well." Yeah. So, um, so I called him back and I told him, I said, "Listen, I'm, you know, 
like I'm paying for this test. You know, I got a lawyer wrote up this thing that says I don't. I'm not looking for any money. Like I don't want anything like that. You know, I just want to know. You know, for health reasons for me and my son. You know, if there's anything gnarly we should know about. And um, he was like, a libido. You need to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, um, you know, he's like, no, I'm gonna have to have my lawyers look at the papers and this and that and this. <laughs> and I remember I was like in front of my ex's father and I was like, I, I, something snapped and I just went right on. I was like, listen, I was like, you know, Boston is a pretty small city yeah. and you don't want me coming after you. I was like, cause I'll get this, I'll get this DNA. I was like, I'll, and I, you know, I <laughs> fucking pricking his hairs out and shit. Like at the time I was working for a private investigator and, um, Oh, so you already got the Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I, no, I'm sorry. I started working for him right after this. Okay. Um, but he, the private investigator, he told me that. He's like, you should, uh, you know, write something up to take any to take that right away from him. You know, say, oh, I don't know, you know, if you're going to try to get my money, be like, here, sign, this is signed by me yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't want Eliminate anything. Eliminate one question. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, I told him, I said, if, um, you know, if you want... You know, if it's something that you don't want to talk about because you're, you know, worried about your wife, I was like, and I'd done my research on the guy, so I'm like, I can, and, and his wife, it's like, so I can, if you want, I can just come over to your house at this address and talk to you about it there, Yeah. you know, or if maybe you don't want to talk about it with her, I can just go to the school where she teaches at this address, or maybe the yoga class that she does over here at the studio, mm-hmm. or I could just stop back at the bar right here where you, where you are, or at this place, you know, I gave him, it's like, dude, I, you kind of let him know it's going to happen. Like you're like, there's no way around it. <laughs> I've been here long enough. It's like, you're I, persistent. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said, okay, you know, we did it and. Comes back ninety nine point nine 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 seven. No shit. And that's it. That's your. So. So you were just mentioning cousins and stuff as well. So I'm I'm assuming you guys are on decent terms. Yeah, it was my birthday yesterday, and you know uh, we hung out. Like, you know, we hang out. So do you have like a father son relationship, or is it more like a no? Friendship? It's more like you know a friendship. He's. I mean, he didn't know he was a father until. You know, like this past year. Yeah, it, it doesn't get. It can't happen. So it's so recent. This is very recent. Oh yeah, very sorry, recent. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. I'm, it's probably like you know, almost two years by now. But it's very recent. That's recent in the scales of getting to um, know someone. Scales of thirty six years old. Yeah, you know, yeah, like the last two years is. Two years is a long time. Is not a long time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've been up. We went up to Canada together to visit. Um, you know, his sister. So all my aunts and cousins that live up on the reservation in Yarmouth. Oh shit! Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Wow, that must have been a trip. Shout out to Yarmouth. Yeah, Yarmouth. <laughs> Someone from there. Yarmouth is gonna leave a comment when I post Good. this. Please do. All my cousins will be doing their beadwork, making. Oh, my cousin. It's that. It's like that. Still, well, it's on a reservation and everything. Yeah, but it's like they all are learning it. You know. Oh, awesome. It's not like um, it's passed I, on tradition. And, uh, uh, it's it's uh, it seems like it's it's. Uh, well, it's needed, you know, to get the youth involved in the culture and, you know, getting these stories from the elders, like that needs to happen. Yeah. But it's not like, I don't, I, from what I saw, it's not like everybody is, you know, trying to, you know, be a hundred percent like traditional and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a struggle. It's like, but it's, you know, it's great seeing these pictures of my cousins making stuff. Like my cousin made a beaded 
Wu Tang pendant <laughs> with like so sick. peyote beads, like as a rope. This in, <laughs> insanely intricate, like. Do you think he if if you share this? Do you think you'll share the podcast with him? Because I'm gonna post it online and all that stuff. You could just send him a link. I'll yeah, email it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe he, your cousin could take a photo of the of the Wu Tang. Oh, pendant. she's got would, the. I've seen the photo. All right, I would love <laughs> to see that. Like, post that online somewhere and tag me in it or send it to my Facebook. That would be awesome. That's a that's like a clash of a. Kind of old and new. Yeah, that's it's amazing. It's uh, it's amazing. I can't imagine the struggle of trying to keep trying to keep the tradition alive, especially in in a um, world like today where everything's so there's so you have the internet, so everything's at your fingertip. Every idea, everything, culture. You could look in cultures in different countries, and like everything is at your disposal. So to try to keep the young youth into a certain thing and pass on tradition like to cement the stories and the importance of it in the just to show like that's a very hard job it's very hard like everyone seems to be like blending together it's a melting pot as culture and society and everyone starts to realize that we're all connected and it's like we all feel the same no matter what background you're from but i still think it's very important to have that you know you need communities even though you're connected you still need like those tight-knit communities Cause that's like the heart of it. I feel, but um, that's very awesome. It's very intriguing to me. And and you weren't, you didn't grow up in that, right? So you're learning no. about it as well. Yeah. Damn. Is that something you think you'd be interested in with your child and your family? Oh yeah, no. I'm, I mean, since then I've become like I'm on the uh, board of directors for um, like our Native Center, Native American oh. Lifelines. Sick. Is the name of it. There's one in um, Baltimore, and then there's one in West Roxbury. Sick. So that is where. You know, I can take my son there and, you know, he can watch me, like, cut up and make some, you know, moccasins or, Sick. you know, some some beadwork or yeah. dream catchers or, you know, any of that stuff. Fuck yeah. So, I mean, I just love doing that now. It's like, uh, you know, I always have, like, a little bit of, like, you know, a stick or something I'll make little dream catchers out of, just, like, give to people. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that stuff because it's very... um salt of the earth and it's like with everyone stuck on tvs and their phones and shit it's like not enough people understand this very simple thing about creation creating anything whether it's you build it from your hand from something of the earth very simple like i mean that's probably why you skateboard and i do too like just the art of like visualizing something and then making it reality whether it's just how you picture an ollie or from an 80 or just and then actually like creating that, you know, like I don't think enough people understand. Uh, may, maybe maybe enough people do understand it, but I don't know. I don't see it enough, you know, or at least people don't talk about it as much as that. So I appreciate you talking about it. Um, we kind of got sidetracked because that was amazing, <laughs> amazing sidetrack. Don't get me wrong. But um, <clears throat> let's get back to you running away. We kind of left off there where you, you would you say you ran away? Because like, you just told you didn't tell your parents. You just left a note. You said, "Yeah, I ran away." Yeah. And um, would you write? I love you guys, you know, but this stuff I feel like it's going to kill me before it gets me better. You know, please just forget I ever, you know, existed. Don't you know? Don't be sad. Don't come look for me. Wow, wow. Well, so, did why did you feel that you had to do that? Did your family like? Well, we had a talk, and uh, you know, I said, "Hey, you know, I don't want to do this chemo. I don't think it's a good idea." And they're like, "You have to." Like you're a minor, and this is all that. This is our only option. We're not going to let you die. I forgot you're a minor. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the conversation, and I'm not going to, you know, pick a pick a battle. I'm not going to win, and, and who's going to lose that battle? 
if they laid, if they laid it out to you like that, yeah. there's no, there's, no, there's a, the line's drawn. So I had to start making my, you know, escape plan pretty much right away. I just sold all my stuff, you know, like extra skate parts videos, like, you know, like 411 volume, like one and two. <laughs> I just saw, you know. <laughs> the, that's a real fucking disappointment. Dude. You know, Maybe. <laughs> that's where I saw the Houston and uh, that's why I ended up in Houston because I saw um, like the Metrospective on the Houston on on, on Houston in 411 number two, I think it might have been number one. I think my homie might have filmed it. R.B. Umali. <laughs> probably. I think I probably saw him when I went there. Well, probably. Because, I mean, like I got the bus, got down there, got off the bus, put my bag in a locker and started skating around downtown Houston. Yeah, because he's a huge part of how Houston kind of <laughs> got a scene, or at least I believe it was Houston, and uh, was U- R.B. Well, know? he'll know if it was him because... So I knew that they were skaters because I saw their boards and, you know, just the way they dressed. But then when I went over, they were all just kind of kicking a soccer ball around. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, and they were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just kept skating around, and I came back later, and there was a different group of kids. And those kids were cool, and they put, you know, they ended up hooking me up with a place to stay. Damn. Um, wait, so, wait, all right, so I keep sidetracking. I always do that on the podcast, and I'm sorry, but, uh, um, so you saved up money because you sold your belongings, and you got a bus? Yeah, I went to Greyhound, Yeah. and I had all the money in my hands, and I took half of it, and then the other half, so half was going to be for food, and the other half was for travel. Yeah. And, and you're I, on your own? Yeah. You didn't have a friend with you or nothing? No. I had my skateboard. And you're just like, fuck it. And that's why you chose Houston was because of the skate video. You're like, yeah, looks like a nice place. Yeah. All right, so you show up in Houston. Yeah, and I think, you know, my thought is, okay, I'll just find my way to the skate park. And, um, you know, I'll just, like, live underneath the ramp. And I probably will die, like, in a couple months. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, just wow. learn how to do a blunt fake even before I die, you know? <laughs> die a happy man. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, do you, just, I'm gonna sidetrack again, but uh, you skate the mini ramp at the edge, the small one, the smaller side of the the. Do you skate that at all? Yeah, I love that fucking thing. So good. We have to skate it next time you're there. Yeah, I love that thing to death. Um, all right. So you show up. Did you did you make you didn't make it to the skate park? No, no. I just you made it to where you were downtown. Talking. Yeah, downtown. Yep. So I'm downtown, and you know these other kids are skating. So I go over and talk to them, and you know, I could do like uh whatever like. Backside nollie flip, whatever the blind side is. Yeah, nollie front side kick flip. Nollie front side kick flip. That's what they're calling That's it. That's what they're calling Okay. <laughs> so I could do those, and that was pretty good. So they saw me do one of those, and they're like, oh, yeah, this kid, okay, he's he can skate. He's not just like... You've invested some time, and yeah. so now you're one of them. Yeah, exactly. So I told them, all I told them was I had problems back home, and I was, um, you know, on my way to California to stay with an aunt, you know. That's all I told them. Good story. And they put me up for a week, you know? They had a little storage warehouse. How old are these kids? My age. They were like 16, 15. Sick. So they put me up for a week, you know? This is a Friday. Um, you know, when we, we hang out when they get out of school and things like that. It was right around Halloween, so I remember, like, um, Nirvana Unplugged, like, album just came out, and it was like... That listening to that like nonstop twenty four seven that and no effects like nonstop was Hell like yeah. all we did so um, but the next week we went to um, let his dad know that we were going to go back and skate downtown like get on the bus and his dad's like yeah okay you know he's like uh, out of work Friday so like watching TV on the couch and all of a sudden the news comes on and they're like runaway cancer patient Billy Best and Ugh. he's like don't wait don't you guys know that kid. 
And like we we split like we and like my friends like why were you on TV oh, like man. I don't get it and what what are they saying about you have cancer I was like well yeah that's my problem no shit you know that's my my problem back home yeah I mentioned it I just didn't go into <laughs> detail yeah yeah so from then on we had to just like hide out and it was like all over the news there was like nationwide manhunt for like you know this missing cancer patient Fuck. that could die at any moment you know if he doesn't get back to his treatment. Um, How'd you feel about the notoriety or the well, it didn't the recognition? Hit, it didn't even hit me. I mean, no, nah. not not yet, not at that point. Yeah. So you know, just chill down there for like two weeks, you know, while all this was going on, and um, eventually it got to the point where, you know, I, I had called back home. And, you know, as soon as I saw the story, my mom was crying on TV. She's saying like, call home. So yeah, I just yeah. went home, went and called home, and um, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Um, it was crazy because people were sending all this information. They saw this story and people started sending information to my parents' house from all over the, all over the world. It's like, you know, Hey, this helps my, oh, you about know, cancer. about cancer yeah, and yeah. unnatural and alternative different ways to treat it. Fuck yeah. There were so many people. There was like thousands of letters coming to the house wow. and phone calls nonstop. Um, my parents had to get like a separate phone line and an answering service because the phone would not stop ringing. Wow. Hundreds of people calling, saying all different kinds of stuff too. Damn. So eventually they told me, um, hey, you know, if you come back, um, we promise we won't make you go to the hospital if you don't want. Um, but there's a lot of stuff here that you might be able to like look through. So if you come back, you got to promise to like look over all this stuff. Um, it's just like wait. Tons of different ways that oh, yeah. people, ideas of yeah, yeah. care and help. And, and some of them, you know, so I did and I came home and, um... So how, that, long, how long were you gone for? I was gone for two weeks. No shit. Yeah. Sick. So when I came home is when it hit me because, like, get off the airplane and there's a state trooper there and it's like, oh, God. oh shit. And he's like, here, you're coming down here with us. And then we're walking down to the ground from, like, right from the air, you know. No shit, yeah. And I, like... I look over and the whole the little accordion thing that goes onto the airplane is filled with cameras and flashes and you know news and booms and all this stuff Jeez. and it's like what was that they're like don't worry about that like come on we gotta go to the car so we get in the cruiser he drives us to the car and we're driving home and they're like yeah we didn't tell you really everything that's been going on here and we just did a drive-by in my house, and it was, like, all the news vans with the satellites up and cameras everywhere. They knew I was coming home. Like what you'd picture in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and they dropped me off at my friend Alex's house, and I stayed there that first night. Um, but, you know, the next day I came over and had to deal with it. Um, like, my friends wanted to skate at night, and I remember the camera crews kept trying to get in the back door. And, um, you know, they had to put like, you know, we put like a jacket over my head and we drove around trying to get away. Like Dan Housley was, um, like chasing us. Like we were in like a high speed pursuit. He's still on the news now. He's a reporter. He's a reporter. Yeah. And he, um, you know, we thought we lost him and we got out and (laughs) you're being pursued by Dan Housley. Yeah. And so we go into the high school. We're like, we're like, we'll just skate, you know, in the high school. Well, when we came out, he, like, you know, bombed a car, and it was in the papers, so the next day, the principal was like, hey, why am I reading in the papers? You guys are skateboarding in the... It's like, oh, come shit. on. It's like, Dan and I... Fucking Dan's blowing dude, up the spot, motherfucker. Yeah, he's he's off the list. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad to say about him, but not for me. 
that's that's crazy to kind of like be put into a position like that. Well, here, let me tell you. I mean, while this is going on now, I've, um, you know, so now People Magazine, they call and they want to do an, an article. So they come at the house, they take pictures of me skating my ramp and, you know, do this interview. And it's like, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. So yeah. that was pretty cool. That got out to some people. Um, I had a guy from um, uh, Rhode, I- Rhode Island. He called up and he's like, hey, he's like, I've got all these. Uh, he's like, I'm a skateboarder. And I'm an artist, and I've got these stickers. I was wondering if maybe, you know, we can come up to your house and you can, like, you know, put on one of our shirts and, you know, maybe talk about how you saw these stickers, you know, when you were in, in Texas. He wants to use your your somewhat fame yeah. to brand his thing. Yeah, so he did. He came, and it was cool. They brought tons of stickers and a bunch of shirts and, like, hats and stuff like that. And it was a sticker, and it was a picture of, like, Andre the Giant, and it had... Uh, like his height and weight, it was like seven foot four, yeah. five hundred twenty pounds, and it said Andre the Giant has a posse on the top of it. Yeah. And so we like drove around and stuck stickers all over the place, like down in Norwell and like Situate. Isn't this Obed? Yeah, like, like later he like he changed, he changed it. it. Yeah. But that was that's that's the same dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So they, we came and skated the ramp and you know filmed and he put it in like a documentary about the Andre the Giant. Um, like has a posse and how the whole thing came to be. Wow. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Fuck, dude. So stuff like that and other people want to, you know, they want to make movies and the, you know, and I went on a bunch of shows and then, um, the last one I went on, it was Good Morning America, you know, they like flew us to New York and they just wanted to talk about it and, um, you how, know, how long ago was this? Um, this was in, um, the end of 94. The beginning. I came back around, um, you know, just before Thanksgiving of '94. Yeah. Um, so the People magazine might have been uh, January of '95 um, when it came out. You know, when the magazine came out. So they had like done the you interviews. Did it for you. Yeah. Um, so that kind of stuff was going on, and then it got to the point where it was like, listen, I came back for a reason, and I got to stop. You know, I can't do any more of these shows. Like Oprah called. It was like, Oprah, I'm sorry. Dude. I got I got to take care of myself. <laughs> you know, the story was already out there. Yeah. You know, it was we said everything we needed to say. Um, so I think we turned down like Phil Donahue and Oprah. Damn. And Damn. it was like, um, you know, it was good because I started looking into what all these you know letters were saying, and just trying to feel them out. And you know, we start reading them. There's like I had like some groupies, like girls are sending me pictures, all that stuff too. Damn. Um, but. The celebrity already, <laughs> but the uh, but the letters started to kind of in my mind. I could like kind of organize them. It's like, all right, well, this one is about like this pile I'll make is about like diet and food, and then this pile will be about like um, vitamins and things like that, and then this pile will be about like straight up treatments, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I started doing that and started, you know, and in that pile, like the one about. Um, like supplements there was this thing SEACT that like a ton of people were mentioning so I took that and put that aside I'm like there's like more than half the people are talking about this thing so I'm putting it over here and then with the diet it was like well everyone is pretty much saying the same thing they're saying eliminate um, uh, eliminate white flour eliminate sugar uh, eliminate dairy and eliminate meat Oh, shit. Yeah, so, okay. Well, if they all say that, 
There's a consensus. Then that's a good, you know, swab of the society right there. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that. I, I changed my diet. Um, you know, started trying to get organic food, which I think, I mean, there wasn't like whole foods all over the place. So I'd have to go to the supermarket and say, Hey, can you get organic produce? And he'd be like, no, cause no one buys it. So you're going to have to go to like a farm stand or something. Yeah. And, um, I actually found some at a health food store, good health, um, over in Hanover. And it was just a cool little place that had organic produce. Are they still around? Yeah, they have one in Quincy now, too. I think we just found your first podcast sponsor. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to start his own podcast. All right. You just reach out to him and be like, you helped me. Well, either they, they did help, and they're a very helpful place, and I love that place. That's awesome. Um, it's funny because I've been to, you've been to California. I've been there quite a bit, and they're way, way further ahead with the health aspect as far as food and organic. and like It's way more readily available out there than it is even on the East Coast. It's getting better here. Yeah. I've, seen, I've been seeing it, but it's still, still not quite like out there. No. So you changed your diet. Yep. So I changed my diet and I started drinking the tea. Um, Just tea in general? It was called Essiac tea. Oh, okay. And it's a special, you know, blend of different herbs geared like for cancer pretty much they say. Someone came up with it? Well, it's, it's, it cleanses, it helps the body uh, eliminate toxins. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It It, supports your body's own natural. Yeah, it's not a miracle cure. It's just like, okay, this will help with the progression. Yeah. So I did those two things, and then um, you know I found out about this stuff from Canada called 714X, and I had talked to a guy who had used it, and um, I'd gotten some information about it, and I wanted to do it. It made sense to me. This this guy, he's saying he injected this stuff into his lymph nodes, and it made his lymph nodes work right, which you know led to everything else kind of working right. And he's like, you build your body's own immune system up so it can fight the cancer on its own. Said, That's what I was... That's what I wanted. Yeah. This whole time. Yeah. That's the kind of treatment I wanted. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to poison myself to like almost be dead. Like I wanted to do something that was going to help my body do what it should normally do. That truck probably took a lot out of me. Yeah. And all those drugs and all the um, anesthesia, that probably took a lot out of me. So the cancer probably had an opportunity to get a foothold. Absolutely. So, so that's the treatment you're talking about. Like, it's like, um, it addresses the problem, not yeah. the symptom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, nutrition, yeah, that's good. You need that. You know, eliminate toxins with the, you know, the tea. That's good, too. Yeah. You know, but that's good for everyone. You need a fighting chance. And if you're, yeah. if you're at a deficit, uh, if you're behind with the accidents and all that shit, your body just has no chance. But with the health, the eating right, and then... 714X. 714X. And yeah. I, I want to kind of ask about that. Like, it's a cocktail of all natural remedy? Like It's a solution okay. of camphor, nitrogen, and mineral salts. Which are all natural. There's all natural. No, it's not like any chemical. No. Nothing. Like, it's not like chemotherapy by any means. And, Correct. Yeah. And yeah. someone... Found it. How does he come about? He, a this, biologist invented it. Okay. Yeah. Damn. After a lifetime of studying, um, you know, blood with microscopes. Yeah. And developing specialized microscopes, um, he found what he uh, he believes is a pattern that um, you know he sees in in the blood mm-hmm. where he saw an opportunity to. to make a product to help restore, you know, a person's health. Yeah. 
So if you want to Google a somatid, that's S's and Susan somatid. Yeah. Um, or the inventor's name is Gaston Naissance. Or just Google 714X or Billy Best. Yeah. Those will all – if you Google Billy Best, you'll get to my mom's website. And she's got, um, you know, information on all that stuff and links. Awesome. Yeah. That's good because what, what I'm wondering as I'm listening is like I know that every person – because when I, what I'm thinking in my head is like, okay, this worked for you, right? Everyone's made up a little different, you know? Like that's what the problem is with like there's not, not always one set cure. You know what I mean? Like – Everyone's body's made up a little different reaction. That's why some people have allergies, some people don't. Like, da, 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 you know what I mean? And uh, what I'm wondering is the success rate with uh, the treatment that you that worked for you. Do, do you know any numbers or stats on that? Or nope. I'm, I would be really curious because what I wonder is why if, if it works for you, I wonder if how many other people would work for and why I've never heard of it. But maybe in the cancer. People that deal with cancer, like maybe have heard of it, or has it been suppressed, or like? I'm well, there've been no studies done on it, so there's nothing to, um, you know, it makes it easy for, let's say, someone like Tufts, um, <laughs> Tufts example. University, to make a statement saying something like, um, the American Cancer Society has found no evidence for claims that 714X helps. And there's no scientific journal that's ever found 714X is effective against any health condition, including cancer. So that's a good statement because you can look at that and say, okay, it has found no evidence. Now, my first question is, did they look? Yeah. And, I mean, no. They there's didn't no, because there is no – There's no evidence. There is no evidence. If there was evidence, they would have looked for it and yeah. they would have found it and they would have published it. So the evidence becomes some of this um, like anecdotal kind of storytelling. That's how I – um, that's how I set my book up to be a story where you are just hearing what I went through and, you know, kind of sitting by my side, right. As we go through this journey together yeah. of my, where I came from with my cancer, the things that had, the things that had an effect and led me to, you know, choose the way that I did things. Yeah. And it's not saying that this is good for everybody. It's not saying stop your chemo and, uh, come and do this. It's just saying, this is what I did, and this helped me. Yeah, and and that's awesome because that gives out information for other people to hear a different side. And the more people share, the more you can kind of gauge what's best. Like that's what you needed when you were dealing with it and you ran away. It's like you needed more information. Yep. And the more information people put out, the more you have in front of you. You know what I mean? And that was beautiful that everyone shared. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's sharing cool. is good. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Um, uh, fuck, what I was going to go with. Sorry, I'm having a brain fart right now. Um, I, I kind of want to change the pace a little bit. Uh, um, I want to ask you, like, if you have any, like, um, I don't know. It sounds, like, I, I've been through quite a bit in my life, and, and you have as well. And uh, I want to know how you feel about it. Like, I know you, We. I don't think you said you were religious by any means, but how do you feel about being tested at a young age and then... Just like, how do you feel about that? I mean, how do you deal with it? How do you rationalize it? Like that car, that's gnarly for your arm, first of all, and then to deal with cancer and then to like, like life is very hard for the average person. So to have a, this stuff dumped on top of it, like what, what, how do you feel? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like what um, keeps you going? What makes you think like adversity? How do you, 
keep yourself strong? Like, how, how did you get through it all? Like, I think, I don't know, someone told me one time that, uh, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. I've heard that, yeah. So you just got to say, well, you know, creator is up there and won't give me more than I can handle. So just, just keep faith. on, just keep going, you know, keep yeah. on going. Well, the way I, because I had to justify, I've talked about how I grew up on my podcast a lot, and and I've never really expressed it to you, but I'll give you a brief little summary. Uh, My mother, heavy into drugs, pretty much my whole life, heavy drugs, not much of a mother. I love her to death, she's alive, she's doing well, she's doing a lot better, just smoking weed and probably drinking now, but not the heavy shit. So, and then my father was in a motorcycle gang, and I lost him when I was 14, he got shot, murdered. He was in a and he's driving in Boston. They were going to a funeral, a motorcycle gang funeral. I know it sounds corny, but I don't know what to call it. And he got shot, paralyzed for life, hit in the back of the neck, in the hospital for a few months, passed away. Um, a car pulled up. A flock, flock of motorcycles were coming. Car pulled up. Someone just shot out of the car, ran someone over as well on their bike. Um, so at fourteen, I was just an angry little kid. Thirteen. Found skateboarding right at that moment, which was thank thank whoever's up there. Um, and I just was like, I, I'd been homeless. I I had to go live with my mom in the projects, and it's just been hell. And, you know, and uh, I pretty much met nice people that took care of me and fed me and helped me get through high school and kept me on the right path. And pretty much, like, I might as well have just ran away like you did. Like, fuck it. I'm just going to take my chances in life and see what happens, you know? And, uh... The way I justify it, though, is, like, I kind of really honestly believe that, you know, not everyone goes through shit like that. More people do than we know, because as people start to share now, with, I think with the internet and stuff, we start to hear people's story, and people get braver and want to talk about their, their trials and tribulations. But it, what, what, I, what, I, what kind of justifies my thoughts is that, you know, you're kind of chosen to go through gnarly things you know and you can take from it what you want you could either look at it as you know bad luck or you can look at it as you're being tested to gain certain characteristics that not everyone's gonna have and i truly believe that i've been through a lot and and i've learned from it and just as many people out there not just me but i'm using myself as an example is that if you acknowledge that you've been through hell and that you've gained these characteristics and you can see that and realize that and you're able to acknowledge it then you can become a leader and you can become someone who inspires people because you understand okay i was tested i know adversity i know my strengths i know my weaknesses i know the limits i've been pushed and then you can help other people that are going through those shits now like going through that shit now like in life what no matter the age i've met 40 50 year old dudes that have never been through shit and then they get hit by a truck you know what i mean like that shit just so i think it's I know you've done some seminars and talking and sharing, and I think that's amazing. And I'm glad you do that. And uh, do you, do you recognize that? Do you understand that? Like, do you do you feel that your story is inspirational, or do you feel like you have certain characteristics from everything that's happened? And do you look at your life as a blessing, or is it you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I look you, you know because people say, oh, you know, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Because I don't know if I, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't do what I did, I wouldn't be who I am now. Yeah. And you like who you are now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to like you too. (laughs) I agree with that, man. But yeah, I do. um, You know, I I talk anytime. 
uh, you know, to anyone pretty much because if it wasn't for those other people who shared, they saw a story on the news and they picked up the phone. This is before the internet, yeah. you know, they picked up the phone or they wrote a letter. Way, way harder than it is now because now you just type on your computer and send. Some of those letters only said Billy Best. Yeah. Some of those letters only said runaway cancer patient. Very personal. And they're, no, that's the address. Oh, really? And they wow. did find it to my house. Wow. They knew. Wow. Like Santa Claus. The, <laughs> postal, the, post, the post office, they, they, they could do some great things. Yeah, apparently. Oh, <laughs> the kid from the news. Yeah. And it comes to my house. Wow. It's like, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you feel maybe to pay it forward? because Yeah. You, I mean, I have to. It's, um, you know, it's what I'm, it's like what I was prepped for, you know, it was to almost, you know, and some people have said it's, you know, this story is like the, the spearhead of the whole um, natural and alternative medicine uh, community because it's not like, you know, I go to a convention and listen to a doctor talk about, you know, his product or this or that, or this, it's like, this is, you know, this was, I lived it. Yeah. You know, I, like I, I had the cancer, like I went through all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so it's what I'm, it's, it's who I am. It's, it's what I do. And so when did you find out that what you were doing was working. Um, I, you know, I had gotten tests after I returned home, and it showed the cancer was indeed um, spreading. You know, and I was lucky to have testing done at a certain time. I had the test done at the beginning. I had the test done right before I took off. I had the test done when I came back. Yeah. So it was showing the cancer had gone down, but then it was coming back, and they wanted more chemo, more radiation. Um, and I said, you know, no. I was like, I want to try this, and I showed them the. You know, the diet, the SEAC and the 714X. And they said, if, that'll kill you. You're going to kill yourself. And if that doesn't kill you, not doing your treatments, you're going to die, like, internal bleeding, suffocation. Like, you know, your organs are just going to explode if you don't do chemo and radiation. Jesus. So I said no. I went up and uh, I had to go to Canada, learn how to do the shot. I brought it back to the States and I gave it to myself. Wow. And after I started January 10th, 1995, and by... The third week in March, the cancer was gone. Wow. Wow. You know, that's shown by testing at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Wow. In Boston. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, I imagine... <laughs> and you... now, now, the, now, what do I think it was? Well, I mean, at the time, I'd say it was probably, you know, the medicine. And, you know, I was able to get this medicine that, you know, I, that helped me. Um, you know, but the more I look back at it a little more, it's, you know, I think a big part of that was just my belief in what I was doing was good for me. Yeah. You know, I, I was doing something that I felt, you know, I was taking an active part in my own healing process. I think just that was helpful. Yeah. I so believe we that can, fully. we can call that part of the treatment. Yeah. You know, being part of it, um, you know, understanding what's going on having a belief that what you're doing is right. Those things I think are very helpful. Your thoughts make your reality, you know? And, and, and I, I grew up as a ghetto kid, like you, like, I, and I had very negative thoughts and it, it created a very lonely, isolated and, you know, life for me for a long time, miserable. And as soon as I started to learn discipline and learn like, um, and meet people that were happy and healthy and trying and, and share, it changed that dark cloud of my head to like less stormy and then 
once you change your thoughts and your attitude and you start to it, it, it can change your whole life like and i and def, definitely like that's why i kind of asked before like how do you feel about your life and all that because you got to have a positive mind state about it and take that life is a struggle it's a beautiful struggle and uh it hits you again and again and if you don't have those thoughts if you don't have a belief system and you don't have uh a positive mental attitude and you don't have people around you like that it can make it even fucking harder like and and i definitely believe that helps with healing for sure man how did you so when you got home how, how did you keep a good attitude about it like what, what made you like what helped with your i, I would have been depressed i imagine like when you finally had cancer and stuff and like how did you keep a positive mind state well i mean at the beginning like i said it was hey i'm 16 Think of all the people that don't make it that far. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the kids that, you know, die at birth and all these little kids that are dying and, you know, little toddlers, all those little little people just getting ripped up. It's a very grim reality to this day. <laughs> so I said, you know, at 16, I saw a lot of good stuff. So, you know, that helped. And then after I came back and started, you know, reading about this information, it was like, you know, there's hope. Yeah, I mean, there's some. This is some stuff that I didn't know about that now is, you know, all I'm thinking about, and I totally believe in it. Yeah, you know, something that if you'd mentioned like alternative medicine before I had read those letters, I would have thought quack, just because it's the only word that I would associate with alternative medicine. Yeah, it's like quack or like some, you know, someone's trying to rip you off. Yeah, because normal normal medicine is a business, and you dismiss shit that doesn't work with your business model, and that's the same with anything. I see that all the time. Outside the box thinking, you go to look at high school in general. You go, and these people that are quiet or like kind of sitting by themselves or whatever, they're considered not cool. They're like weird because they're maybe they speak different or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Like. It's the same in, in fucking business. It's, it's so silly. I see it all. I go out of my way to talk to people that are like seem drawn back or quiet because that, that was me when I was young and I had a pretty interesting story. And so it's like I imagine they do too. And it's like it's easier to shun that shit. And I imagine the same with that stuff as well. Turn it into quack science so no one takes it serious. You know what I mean? Yep. That sucks. And that's why the, that was funny that that pamphlet, huh? <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you... So, I don't know, one of the, the new friend of mine who, you know, I talked to him on the phone a couple times, he sent me a couple letters, um, he sent, he called me up the other day and he's like, are you in jail? I said, no, no, not yet. <laughs> he's like, for, you know, for what, for taking 714X, are you in jail? He's like, cause I just got this pamphlet from Tufts University and it's from the health and, it's their health and nutrition letter. And it's it's a black pamphlet, and it says the Tufts Nutrition Blacklist. Now, it's got a list of all these different things on here, 25 different things. And um, what the list is for, it's, um, it's a list of things that have been singled out in previous issues of the Tufts University Health and Nutrition Letter, either for their possible negative health effects or for failing to live up to promises of various miracle cures. Some are potentially dangerous, while others are simply a waste of your money. The bottom line, keep up with the latest nutrition research so you can base your health and diet choices on scientific evidence. So, you know, that's nice of them. They put together this list of things to, you know, watch out for because they're probably going to kill us, right? But the list seems a little... 25, weird. yeah. So, like, I'm looking towards the end of the list, like the things that kind of were, like, lower down on the on the totem pole here. 
Like um, energy drinks are the last thing to look out for. Okay. Jesus, those um, seem like they should be up in ten. Yeah, cola drinks are like number twenty. Um, eating your greens first. Really? Don't do that. <laughs> Watch out for your vegetable intake. <laughs> They're concerned about the increased <laughs> fruit and vegetable intake. So, okay, let's see. Uh, over the cough, over the counter cough medicine. These are, you know, echinaceas on there, organic seafood, things like that. Now we're getting towards the top of the list here. Um, towards number one. Huh? Yeah, getting yeah. towards number one. So, coconut oil is number eleven. Watch out for that stuff. Coconut oil. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, herbal weight loss products. Okay. Now number five is trans fat. I think that's like. I mean, a lot of people know about that Pretty one. Pretty universal. They banned it in like. New York, didn't they? I believe so. I've like, read, I've heard something like that, people, but it's pretty universal. Yeah, they like, know it's know. bad. So just above trans fat, more dangerous. The seven fourteen X, the very thing that you use. the thing that I use. Yeah, it seems it very. Says, it says you may have seen late night TV infomercials about this supposed cancer treatment, also called and they name its chemical name, which is beyond me. And uh, they say the inventor claims it can cure multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, and other diseases. The American Cancer Society has found no evidence for these claims. However, no clinical trials and no scientific journal um, have ever found that 714X is effective against any health condition, including cancer. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has prosecuted those importing 714X into this country. So Crazy. I don't know if these things work from prison, but... Uh, it seems a bit irresponsible for them to put that out like that without... It's like, if you just look at it, it's called the blacklist. It looks doom and gloom. It already gives off a vibe of like, okay, these are fucking bad. Like, that's... That's... You know what I mean? Like, and it's not like cigarettes are on here, you know? It's not like the, the stuff that we know. Are, it's antibacterial soap yeah. and canned vegetables. Yeah, it's very wild. That's very irresponsible of them to release that. They should at least, if they really want. And there's no way to contact them to ask them about it. There's no number, no nothing, no website. There's, I have, I tried. I looked on this and the the actual full newsletter, and uh, there's no one at any of those numbers. It's like the the circle. <laughs> they just keep sending you. They're in. like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it, what I'm curious, that's kind of like the whole model of treating the symptom and not the fucking problem. You know what I mean? Like that same model with that pamphlet is kind of it's BS. They should just be doing the studies so they can actually put out relevant facts and ideas be- from the studies instead of just going, okay, no one's done the studies, so we don't think this works for you. You know what I mean? Like, why don't they call it the uh, the Tufts uh, top twenty five threats to the pharmaceutical industry? There you go. That's a way better title. I agree with. Or that. to the at least the pocketbook of the pharmaceutical yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. Genius, genius. Very irresponsible, Tufts. Do your research, please. And, um, and put me on your speaking circuit while you're at it. Yeah, get <laughs> to it, man. Um, yeah, so to go back to it, um, I'm kind of I'm so jumbled with my thoughts. But uh, so now you know your father, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, you don't have cancer anymore. Right. And your arms healed. Mm-hmm. And what's the next chapter? What are you on now? What are you doing now? What are you, what are you psyched on? What's your... Uh... Um, right now, I mean, my son is awesome, so I'm psyched on him. That's awesome. How old is he? He's three. Wow, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, times. he's amazing. Um, Does he look a lot like you? He looks like, you know, a little look like me, a little like his mom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Try happy, to paint a picture. Happy kid, though. That's happy, awesome. happy kid. Um, 
and then the thing I'm excited about uh, coming up is my, um, you know, a trip I'm trying to plan up to Canada. And actually um, working with a documentary filmmaker to, you know, try to go out and find some grants and try to get some funding for a movie that would actually kind of, um, you know, take my, my book that I wrote, which was um, with my co-author, Linda Conti, called The Billy Best Story. Um, available on Amazon and for Kindle. Awesome. Um, I'll so, post a link to it when I post the po- cool. when I post this up on all my social media sites, Twitter, Facebook. At the end of the podcast, we usually do plugs like okay. that. So, right. But but I'll, I'll we'll we'll share. So the um, you know the next step I think would be to you know take the story that is you know this twenty year old you know story of the cancer and everything. Yeah. And. Um, you know why? Why not take that on, in a documentary type situation where we're actually going on a road trip up to Canada to you know meet my family for you know like some of my cousins and things for the first time, um, you know find out about the culture, see how things are going there at this while telling the whole story because I'll be telling them the story. Yeah. You know I'll be telling my family like my story. As I'm meeting them and they're sharing, you know... It'd be a very awesome documentary. I think so. So we're, you know, we just started looking at different grants and, you know, trying to get some funding, um, you know, to start a film. Wow. Yeah. I would love to watch that on Netflix someday. That would be, that would be pretty good. That's the goal. <laughs> and it would bring it full circle because you're meeting your family and your time. Just like you said, that's full circle, man. It's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we kind of, we're getting there. Um what I, what I do at the end usually is we just do the plugs. So um, I don't know if you're on uh, social media. Are you on any of it? Facebook. You are on Facebook. I think I started a Twitter, but then I never logged into you it. You know what Twitter is good for? It's good for exchanging information and sharing it. So I know that's very vague. but So I follow people that I'm interested in. And when they post it that I'm interested in, I retweet it. And then it just spreads from there. So it's actually a really good tool for you. Okay. So if you get Twitter, you follow the people you're interested in, people that are doing you know, remedies and cures and things that are along the lines of things that you enjoy, and then you can share it with your followers as they grow. And uh, <clears throat> that's a, it's awesome for that. Like I, on Twitter, I follow like the Celtics because I like the Celtics, and I'll share that. I follow skate brands that I like, and I share their information. People share information links with me. It's very – you can – Send links and photos very easy with Twitter. Um, what's your Facebook if, if people want to reach out to you? Billy Best. It's just Billy Best on mm-hmm. Facebook? Awesome. And you ever mess with Instagram? No. You should. I'm a big I, – I love Instagram because it's just sharing and connecting. And when people use it right, it's a beautiful thing. So I think Billy Best should have an Instagram. And All right. <laughs> it's sharing photos and videos. So as you're making your um, documentary going to Canada, you could have the be- behind-the-scenes stuff – on uh, oh, Instagram, yeah. photos, like little 15-second videos of like just silliness, and people can follow along with your story on Instagram as well. And the thing is, everyone has Instagram, and it's on their, it's in their pocket. So people are seeing it all the time. It's like advertising. It's like if someone walked around with a magazine all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that would be a good one as well. So hopefully on Instagram, you'll see Billy Best, and you can give him a follow too. And... uh yeah, I'll share the links on uh, mine, which is everything's Anthony Shetler on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and also, if you would like, follow All I Need Skate on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We just started making skateboards. They just came in 
Yesterday? Yesterday. Our, it was yesterday. Our first three skateboards. Timmy Knuth has a pro model. I got two different pro models. Um, and they're selling. So it's fucking a blessing, man. And the company's called All I Need because it's all I need to get me through everything. It makes me happy. It's my, it's my, I say it's my first love and my savior. Because it was. It was the first thing I really fell in love with. Like before girls... Before anything, I was an angry kid and I fell in love with skateboarding and it kept, it found, it made me find a path, you know what I mean? And then it was my savior for sure. So, um, yeah, follow all they need, show support, that'd be awesome. Billy, you're fucking awesome, man. Can't say it enough, man. And I'm psyched to skate the mini ramp with you, for real. We gotta skate the mini ramp next time. Yeah, and a rematch. Yeah, oh, we play another game, game, for real, for real. It's funny because I I play games of skates with a lot of people and uh, what I have to tell them is... I say, let's start slow. Because I love flat ground. I really just want to do 180s. And, like, that's how you... That's the most important shit. If you don't remember to do that stuff, you lose it. And then, like, you get caught up in trying 360 flips. And it's like, yeah, but if you're doing 180s, you're going to have more balance. And you're going to have more style. And you're going to... You know what I mean? It's going to help those trade flips. So I always tell people, like, let's go slow. And you you already knew that. So the next... So... I mean, you play a gentleman's game of skate. I yeah, like there you go. You maybe, you know, maybe start with a kickflip, you know, a shove it. You do all these things and kind of progress a little bit. Yeah. So, and I can I can recognize and appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, the next the next time, last time I saw you was the time after that we had skated, and I had gone up to another kid and was like, you know, hey, he was doing flat ground. Oh, you want to play a game of skate? Sure. So, <laughs> I started with a kickflip. And then he does a kick flip. Then I try a heel flip, and I miss it. So he goes for a 360 flip. It's like, ooh, that escalated kind of quick. (laughs) That kind of escalated there. So, um... So I came back in it with a switch backside flip. Yeah, he wasn't ready, huh? <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. If you're gonna speed it up like that, like yeah, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Let's not jump ahead. That's what the kids nowadays they just want to be able to do the tricks, and that's why they don't have a lot of kids don't have styles. They don't have style. Because style comes from learning how to fall, learning how to carve, learning how to like turn your body. Your body learns it so it gains a style. If you're just trying to practice a certain trick over and over and you don't know the fundamentals, your style is just going to look rigid and like not very – it's just not going to look natural. (laughs) Yes. So – so, but that's why I always tell those kids, I go, and they all get bummed at me because the funny thing is they don't learn the fundamentals. And I do a switch shove it and they're like, I can't, I can do a switch tray flip, but I can't switch shove it. And I'm like, dude, you're skipping steps. Skateboarding is too fun to skip steps. Like, let's enjoy everything. Like, like that's the best part. Um, but fuck it. Yeah. This podcast was awesome. Thank you for having coffee. I'm glad you liked the coffee as best well. Best coffee I've had. Yeah, and we're definitely going to have you back on. Awesome. We'll have you back on the show maybe a month or so down the line, and we can just chit-chat about whatever the fuck's going on in life and mm-hmm. see what's going on with both of us just progressing. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. And please leave feedback. If you go to iTunes and you listen to the podcast, leave uh, a feedback on there because it helps with our ratings and it just helps let me know that people support this and I should keep doing it. It's not easy to, to, to meet people and find people to talk to because not everyone, like, wants to share their story. Not You know, I'm in Massachusetts. Sometimes I'm traveling. I got a lot of things going on. So every time someone writes me an awesome fucking comment like, hey, keep this going. I'm listening. It just makes me go, okay, I got to keep this going. And I really enjoy doing this. So the more support I have, the more fire I have, and the more I'm going to keep doing these, these podcasts, you know, and I'll find, I'll find people. 
that want to talk. So, um, yeah, thank you. We love you. Peace.